0: I have been experiencing great anointing, great access to God, I don't know how to describe it, but it's directly because of the mastery of integrity. God is saying, I've led you along this path, and so maintain your purity, and you will know my presence. Maintain your purity, and you will know my power. Maintain your purity... And the secret things on my heart, I will share with you. I will share with you the benefits of integrity. Maybe next week or the week after. It'll take about two weeks to do. There's a host of benefits in the Old Testament, specifically, where writers would say what integrity will do for the man that is practically righteous. One of them is intimacy. Everyone say intimacy. Right? God will says, "He who fears me, I will share my secrets with the man of integrity." And I want to encourage you to really focus on the matter of integrity if i know that this is a word from god this is i know that this is the leading of the lord and i don't want to rush and move on to another topic there is another series I'm desiring to start regarding the holy ghost and his power that we must function in but the lord's saying i haven't i haven't got the green light of the lord to start yet the lord's saying no get the people pure first get the people right in terms of you are you are pure you are right before God positionally righteous but in terms of practical behavior God is saying I need the people to be more masterful in how they approach the matter of personal purity I'm talking about your person you last week I spoke about the internality of integrity which is essentially an integrity of the of the heart in two scriptures let me just quickly rehearse them There are three psalms that I said you must focus on. Which are they? Psalm 15, Psalm 26, and Psalm 101. I've been reading those psalms every week since I told you to do it. Every day, different versions of the Bible. I'm sinking those psalms into the fabric of my spirit. I'm making them my own. It's becoming me. It's becoming part of me. And in two of them, just look at Psalm 15 quickly. Verse 1 and 2. O Lord, who may abide in your tent, who may dwell in your holy hill, he who walks with integrity, and he works righteousness. So to practically work righteousness, you need to walk with integrity. Your walk is your behavior, right? Your walk is your lifestyle, it's your character, it's your essence, it's your nature. And when that is full of integrity, you can work righteousness, And speaks the truth where? In his heart. So the state of the heart is always the priority of the Lord. It's not truth, not so much in the mouth, but truth in the heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does, the mouth does speak. If you look in Psalm 26 verse 1 and 2, in fact both Psalms verse 1 and 2 speak about integrity of the heart. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity i have trusted in the lord without wavering examine me O lord and try me test my mind and my my heart so there again there's the allusion to integrity of heart my favorite is first kings chapter 9 first kings 9 and verse 4 he himself as for you you will walk before me as your father david did this is to solomon how did david walk In integrity of heart and in uprightness, doing all that I have commanded you and will keep statutes and my ordinances, okay? And Last week, I said to you that if if integrity is to be evident externally in the life, it must be secured internally in the heart. I'm not after rightness externally, while that we must see, people could use that to fool you as to the true state of the heart it's very easy to mask what is in your heart by doing behavior which externally is right but that behavior externally is not reflective of the state of the internal man the state of the heart God is not fooled by external appearances last week we said this even the prophet Samuel wanted to elect Eliab the eldest son of Jesse as king, but God reminded him, man looks at the outside, but I check the, I check the heart. By all external appearances, Eliab befitted kingship. But God said, no, 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 no. Don't be fooled, my prophet, by how right the man looks outside. Because I, the Lord, we just read it in Psalm 26, I the Lord, test and I examine, I try the mind, and I try the and I I try the heart. And then I reminded you last week how that we must subscribe to innocence. Everyone say innocence. In other words, guiltlessness, blamelessness, you are innocent before the Lord. As we were worshiping, I'm just thinking that when you're innocent, you're pure, undefiled, um, unspoiled, untainted, not marred, not discolored by the wickedness of, or the lowering of standards in the world. When you're that way inclined, and you live a pure life, your purity makes life simple. But impurity makes life stressful. Because when you are impure, and you subscribe to, let's say, a lack of integrity, let's say you're given to lies. And so, like I said last time, you lie, and you always require... Another lie to cover up the first lie. That's stress. You've got to be thinking consistently as to how I'm going to carry on this parade. I'm going to carry on acting. How, how am I going to maintain this hypocrisy? Maintenance of hypocrisy is stressful. And I'm saying to you, you some of you are stressed. I'm saying this by the, by prophetically by the Holy Ghost. Some of you are stressed because of your duplicity. You, if, you, if you just come clean, the stress goes. Life becomes simple, right? And I want to encourage you, you don't need a stress relief tablet, right? Or depressant. Just live cleanly and the stress leaves. Yeah? You can deliver yourself, right? You can, you can set yourself free by just being pure. Zig Ziglar said, "He who has nothing—how you say? He, she, he who has nothing to hide, has nothing to fear. He who has nothing to hide has nothing to fear, because everything is exposed to the light. Every detail—let me just put it like this: If every detail, both public and private aspects of your life, can be brought to the light." and be subject to scrutiny and you're willing to do that you are the great you are the freest man on the planet you're not just the freest man on the planet you are the most powerful man on the planet because i will show you later when we talk about the benefits of integrity power attends purity power attends purity and so i want to encourage you to 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 focus on these things I said to you last week, if, you, if integrity is not internal, first. If you don't make a decision that I'm going to let this integrity of mine really be the truest definition of my internal landscape. Everything that's true of Randolph internally. Never mind my external public life. Never mind what people see. It's when there are no eyes on deck. It's when I'm out of the purview of all people even outside the purview of my wife what then is the man what then is the man right is the man behind the pulpit the same man in the bedroom is the man behind the pulpit the same man behind his pc when no one's looking or on his phone when he's out of the purview of all eyes somebody once said that integrity is not just doing the right thing in the dark but it's doing the right thing When no eye on the earth can see you, but every eye in the unseen world, both angels, demons, God and Satan can behold you. Right? We forget there's a view that is not natural. There's a view that comes from the realm of spirit to whom nothing is, is hidden. So we can mask and fool everybody on the earth. But I'm not there. I've left that realm long ago. If I cannot be integrous when no one can see me, I'm alone in the dark. And I still do what's honoring and pleasing to God, then I have mastered integrity because now there's no one to impress, there's no one to fool, there's no one before I need to maintain my spiritual reputation and make people have an opinion about me that does not truly exist. It's there where I am. God says to the psalmist, David, or through him, you desire truth in the in the inward parts. If my inward parts cannot be classified as true, righteous, integrous. No attempt of mine to practically exude that will stand the test of God's scrutiny. It must be true of you internally. Everyone say the inward man. Last week I gave you a couple of examples and I'll give you a few more. Whereby it is possible to have a certain measure of behavior outwardly that's not, that by all accounts the behavior is right outwardly. But it's not a reflection of honor and integrity of the heart of man. Last week, I think I quoted a verse in 2 Chronicles 25, verse 2, regarding King Amaziah. Remember it says he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart or a whole heart. King James, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart or not with all his heart or the way you can read this is rightness externally by his actions if you check this guy out he's right by the external appraisal of him but his heart wasn't in it what he did was not reflective of his heart and let me just say this to you what God is after now is external actions reflective of a holy devoted heart do you remember what God said about Caleb? He followed me wholly. Everyone say holy. Right? He together with Joshua were the only two that believed they could go up, go in and possess the land. They were outvoted by the negative report of 10 spies. God said, I, I, I kill everybody. I'll kill that whole generation off. I'll wait for their children to, to grow up and let them possess the land. So they had to wonder how many years. 40 years, I'm thinking, poor Caleb, this man is ready to, and Joshua ready to go, they have to suffer the consequences of a whole generation of unbelievers, now think about those two guys, if there's ever two guys in the Bible, I have the greatest respect for, I say, I'll I'll salute them, when I see them one day, salute brethren, Joshua and Caleb, you know why, they're ready to possess something, full of faith, but they suffered the consequences of God's judgment on a whole corporate group of people. And in 40 years, still don't change their mind. In 40 years later, now when Joshua leads and the conquest and the divining portions of the land, what did Caleb say to Joshua? Well, did the servant of the Lord Moses, 40 years before, promised me Hebron? This hill country. Hey, Joshua reminded him, there's still giants there by the way. Still the same giants for 40 years. Now they've grown. 40 years of protein. They're pumping iron, these giants. 40 years? They're now bigger than ever. Caleb's view is, no problem. They, my view 40 years ago was that they are boys' lunch. That's what he said. When the, when the ten spies said, we are like grasshoppers in our eyes, therefore we are grasshoppers in their eyes. Caleb says, No. Your view is wrong. Your perception, perception or perspective is wrong. Caleb says, they are a that's his actual words. They are a boy's. Yeah. Caleb said, we're gonna chow today. <laughs> this is not obstacle to destiny. This is fuel. What do you what does food do? Food empowers you. Yeah. Caleb's view is this is nourishment. Let's take them. Yeah. And in 40 years later, you know what he said to Joshua? I am as strong now as I was then. I have huge respect for this brother because in 40 years, his faith, his belief in what God originally promised did not wane. And you know what God said concerning this man? He followed me with all his heart. He followed me wholly. Everyone say holy. I don't care whether your promises haven't come to pass yet. Don't give up. Be like Caleb saying, um, when the time comes for actual possession at that critical juncture, I cannot be weak. I have to have the same robust faith that I had when the promise was first delivered. Right? Don't let the passage of time erode and reduce the quality of faith in you. It's very important. Because sometimes hope deferred. You know what the scripture says? Proverbs says, hope deferred does what to the heart? Makes the heart sick. If you are hoping for something to attain it, to secure it, but the hope is always being pushed back. It's deferred. Hope deferred, the Bible says, makes the heart sick. But for that scripture, doesn't work with Caleb. (laughs) Caleb says no, 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 no. Every year I, I you know I'm thinking he must walk around with some of these unbelievers. And he watches them. The Bible says, one by one, year by year, their carcasses fell in the wilderness. He watches their unbelieving saints die. He watches their children raise up a new breed. So this group we can go in, led by Joshua. Right? Everyone say your whole heart. So keep your heart pure. Uh, I've soon discovered, I hope I'll get to it today. There's something in scripture called the deceitfulness of sin. Which Hebrew says, hardens the heart and therefore it makes you have what the bible calls in hebrews 3 an evil heart of unbelief unbelief the inability to trust god was developed by the deceitfulness of sin tell you never keep your heart pure so keep your faith up you see when you maintain purity faith thrives but the moment you start compromising in terms of practical purity, what it does is it hardens the heart. And even the heart now then cannot trust God for the things that was originally promised to it. Okay? So I want to encourage you to, to really, really focus on the state. Repeat this after me. The state of my heart. Come on, say again. The state of my heart. That's where I'm looking. That's the internal man is what we are are after i gave you the following examples obeying god's command to avoid the consequences of disobedience rather than obeying to honor god you're obeying you're doing the right thing externally right you're obeying god but the motive for your obedience is i will obey because i don't want the negative consequences of disobedience So you're doing what is right externally, but it's not with a pure heart. You're only doing it to short-circuit or to prevent yourself experiencing the negative results of disobedience. Your obedience is not motivated by sincere desire to let your obedience honor God and please Him. Okay? I gave you the example, I do not tithe to avoid the curse. Right? Right? My motive to be faithful in my tithing is not, I don't want the, the, the evil one to come, the devourer, as Malachi says, and to eat away my harvest. My motive is not obedience to avoid the negative results of disobedience. My motive in giving the tithe is, God, I honor you. I celebrate my sonship. I'm doing this to, as an expression of my love for you. Consequence or no consequence got nothing to do with this. I want to honor you financially, put you first in my life. Have you heard it said, forgive for your own sake? Let's say we use Andy. Andy offends me or like he he does me injustice in some way. So I'm left with a problem. A brother has hurt me. What must I do? Must I forgive him or not forgive him? I must why must I forgive him? Why? And some of you are saying, because I don't forgive him, God will not forgive me. What you're doing is, your motive for forgiving is for you to avoid the negative consequences of disobedience, which is unforgiveness. If I forgive Andy, watch, simply because I want to stand before God and receive his forgiveness. It's biblical, by the way. Forgive us our debts as we. It's true, but it should not be the motive. I will forgive Andy not with me as the primary beneficiary of that action. I will forgive him because of him. Now that takes, that puts a spin on the whole matter of forgiveness. Does God forgive you for God's sake? God forgives you for your sake. God is not the primary beneficiary of his act of forgiveness for you. You are. So you when someone hurts you, never think of you. When you have to forgive them, think of them. Set them free. Huh? And <laughs> it's just reminding me. What did Jesus say? For on the cross? What did Stephen say before they stoned him to death? Two men said something similar. Father, forgive them. Why? They, not me. He says, Father, forgive them because me I'm hanging in. No, oh, Father, forgive them for they. Everyone say they. The focus is always them. They do not know what they do. So, can you see, even in the matter of forgiveness, have an integrous heart? I can applaud, let's say, Dennis, you've forgiven this brew that riled you the other day. This Bruce was brusque to you. And I say, I mean, You come to me as, let's say, your father in Christ. I must arbitrate. So, you say to me, Yeah, Randolph, I've forgiven the man. I I can't clap for you and say, well done. Externally, you've done the right thing. Now my issue is, why have you done that? What prompted the obedience? I'm not impressed by obedience anymore. Doing the right thing was fine in a previous season. Now God is saying, I want the integrity. I want the rightness. But it must be reflective of a true state of the heart. Right? If Dennis says to me, I've forgiven Bruce because... I know the principle. If I don't forgive him, then God won't forgive me. So I'm doing this with me in mind. But if you're not doing this as a sincere expression of the love for your brother, you've lost the whole point of the thing. Okay? Lost the whole point of the thing. Then, um, I gave you this example last week. Staying faithfully married to your spouse, but yet simultaneously in your heart, You're longing to be married to another girl or man. Okay? You're right. Externally, you're still together. But if you harbor feelings, longings for another in your heart, Jesus said, you, we can't say you've committed adultery because you haven't done anything physically. But what did Jesus say? If you look at a woman and do what? Lust where? come on, quote the actual verse, and you lust after her, where? In your heart. You haven't externally committed anything grievous, sexually, externally, but where is it taking place? In the heart. He said, Jesus made this powerful statement, you are just as guilty as the person caught in the act of adultery. Now that tells me Jesus is not impressed by rightness externally. He is focused on on earth is going on in the man's hearts. And the frightening thing is, what is true in the hearts, even though it does not necessarily be carried out in the life, is just as good as if it's carried out in the life. Right? So now I have to watch everything. Things like jealousy. Things like envy. Things like strife. Right? If another pastor gets blessed, what is the state of my heart in reference to that? We trust in God for our building. He seems to ease by his second and third building. God, what's going on? God will use those things to test my, my heart. As a man thinks in his heart. So is he. Your easy. Your reality is the state of your heart. Right, Everything about you, hinges upon the state of your heart. You told, here's another example, telling the truth to maintain your spiritual image in pride. How's that? Are you sinning? No, not me. I never told lies. I told the truth. But I told the truth with the wrong motive to simply maintain my image in pride, whereas... I would ordinarily have told lies if upholding the image was not so much an idolatrous pursuit within me. Simply stated. So you told the truth, right? I'm clapping for you. Hallelujah. The man's truthful. But ordinarily, in other words, if you would have told lies. Naturally. It would have spilled out You would have told lies if you did not have an idol, an idolatrous pursuit in you. That idol in you is your image. Your image that you want to maintain in pride. So no one can fault you, a man of truth. Jesus would come and say, but the motivation was wrong. You would have ordinarily told lies if your passion to maintain your image wasn't so strong in pride okay how about i think i told you this last week you are committed to righteousness purity morality in all respects but if given half the chance you would slip out and do the wrong given half a chance given a slight leeway because you have not yet in your heart you're still holding on to some proclivity some inclination towards the thing okay how about repenting from your sin simply because you were found out but if ordinarily nobody found you out you would have continued maybe got worse i'll talk to you in a moment if time permits why god exposes right and you are it's not wrong listen carefully to repent since or let me rephrase it Somebody can very sincerely repent when found out. When you found out and you're exposed, it is possible for someone to sincerely repent and change their behavior. What I'm talking about is when you are found out and you are still bent on, carrying on, but you give the impression that you have repented. But there's no transformative behavior. There's no change in the, in the man. What did John say to Pharisees that wanted to be baptized by him? Give me fruit of repentance. Give me signs. Give me visible indications that you guys have sincerely turned from your heart. Here's a few more I added. Listen to these carefully. Everyone say integrity of the heart. Please track with me because God's going to deal with the house. You know what? I see power coming to the house. power is going to ride on purity i'm telling you brethren authority is coming to this house authority is coming to your lives but god is saying i will not attend my power with anything impure if they're still harboring impurity certain vices out of the view of most and you think simultaneously you're going to have power provision preservation protection not going to happen. God said to Joshua, Consecrate the people for tomorrow I will do, I will do wonders among them. God spoke to me these in the week. Listen carefully. Just one or two. I'll go on. Not dishonoring a leader in and of itself does not denote integrity. Listen carefully to what I'm saying. Not dishonoring a leader, let's say a spiritual father in and of itself does not simply denote or conclude you as integrous if watch if there is no simultaneous sincere expression of honor right there is no dishonor but there's simultaneously no honor the, the absence of dishonor doesn't conclude you integrous If simultaneously, you are not honoring. It's like you can't stay away from the bad and not pursue the good. But you maintaining this neutral position. Even that, I tell you by the Holy Ghost, even that is a lack of integrity. There's a verse which I try to find. Maybe one of you two can search for it while I'm speaking. Where Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said this. He who does not gather with me, scatters. Right? He who does not gather, scatter. So based on that verse, can I ask you a question? When do you scatter? When you don't gather. Right? So if Jesus called a meeting and you didn't come, you're neutral. I did not come. Jesus saying, so you have another agenda. You intend not on gathering. You intend on scattering. You argue with Jesus and say, no, I'm not intending on gathering, on scattering. I just didn't gather. Jesus would equate the non-gathering position is equated to a scattering disposition. Right? So sometimes we stay away from honor. And we say, um, yes, yeah. he who is not with me is a me he who does not gather with me scatters Jesus is saying your, your lack of presence with me indicates the truest indication of your heart that you're actually acting opposite to me right so can you see here, brethren when I say integrity God is putting us under a microscope now yeah. he's saying I, w- I want to test you see you can in this context you cannot gather and withhold your support Right? What does Hebrews say? Hebrews 10.25, I think it says, or thereabouts. Let us not forsake the, the gathering of ourselves together, not, a, not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. All the more you see that as the day approaching, drawing near. Okay? So the Bible says, if there is gathering of the saints together, that must not be for... If you do a word search in the Greek on the word forsaken, it literally means not just to stay away, but the motive. Check it out. I challenge you. Check it out in in Strong's or Zodiatis or Thea, any one of those Greek dictionaries. It's not just you stay away from the gathering, but the motive for staying away is to see the gathering, not realize its full potential. So the distancing of it is, I'll stand back, let's see. I'll stand back. Let's see what they do. I'll stand back and withhold my contribution, my active support, and let's see what materializes. Now, some people, you can stay away, and I cannot say to you, you have evil intent in your heart to see the thing crumble. You must say you have no proof. I'm saying I'm not looking at what you're doing externally. I'm looking to what is in your heart. What is lurking there? What are you harboring? Okay, so to forsake is not to see the gathering fulfill its total and complete potential in reference to the purposes of the of the of the Lord. Do you know they say silence gives tacit permission? Yeah? Tacit is implied, not so the word tacit or suggestive. So if let me say sean if sean let's say um injuriously does something malicious to andy and i'm in view of it and i just look and i walk away do you know what i've just done i've consented the lack of my speaking up has what has given the world everyone say tacit these are very important words you see It's either obvious or or overt. Or it's subvert, covert, tacit, subterfuge, under the radar. You know, we use these terms, you know, below the radar. Right? And I'm saying integrity of heart addresses issues that are subterfuge. Hidden. Covert. Not overt. Okay? And I'm saying to you, sometimes you can be party. Listen, and I speak... You know, a lot of these examples God gave to me prophetically this week while in prayer. A lot of these things, watch. You could, you could be part of a group and not voice your disapproval when a principle is compromised. What you've done is, you can't walk away and say, I'm innocent, guilty, not part of me. No, you've manifested the lack of integrity in your heart by not voicing your, disapp- your disapproval. You've in fact put your rubber stamp on it and said, well done, go on with the wrong thing right now those are issues that I am that God is, is challenging me about okay those are issues we went to um on, on on Friday to take Luke for his application for his smart ID we were there like half of seven or so there was long queues already I thought well whole morning gone yeah no queues and I knew someone had told me that they give preference to pupils if they're in school uniform put them first in the line because they know they have to get back to school so we uh, parked, and this car attendant shady-looking character, said to me, no, 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 come, come, bro, come, bro, come, bro. I'll take you to the front. I'll take you right to the front, right? And then I'll make a plan for you, and you'll get in. Just give me something on the side. Give me some C-Ride for me and for the other guy, and we'll sort you out. <laughs> you know what? You, you know what? 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 Pre- uh, put my hand in my pocket. I had some money. But I said, no, 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 no. This is a lack of integrity i'm looking at some scholars and some people in the queue i said it will benefit me but i will be violating a whole lot of people in the process violating a whole lot of people so i asked him how will you do this exactly how tell me Then he spoke to me about the bribe Now, give this guy money that money and you'll be in you'll be out of here in no time i will talk about bribery because there are tons of scripture that equate bribery with a lack of integrity right? And you know what? I I said, "Look, stand in the line right at the back." I said, Let me just go inquire. So I went in the front, in talking, inquiring, trying to reason with the security guards there. Uh, what I heard the, that they give preference to scholars, you know, in, in uniform? Then uh, then, uh, Luke comes right. No, it's true. We can go in. And we went in right. We were seen to quite quite efficiently. We're out there, out of there in no time. You see, everything is tested even me (laughs) tell you never even you you see the devil is saying yeah big mouth randolph barnwell taking integrity posting on facebook integrity big mouth, yeah. let me test you put you in a situation i want to see what's in your heart you see it could be on your facebook but it could never be in your heart it could be in your social profile i'm told is the thing ratified in your heart and god put me through a test okay I want to encourage you not to involve in bribery of any kind. Keep your money. Rather experience the consequences of some action. At the end of the day, when you put your head under that pillow, you sleep with a head and a heart of integrity. Stress-free. No issues. Open heaven. Open communication with God in the, with God in the heavens. Amen? It's very, very important. So, just to get back on this, not dishonoring a leader in itself does not constitute integrity. Not because you're not dishonoring. While not simultaneously honoring, you've you've not yet secured integrity within your heart. Arocha, being honorable is not constituted by not dishonoring. Listen, there's a flip thing here. Being honorable is not constituted by not dishonoring. There can be no neutral ground on this. Okay? So you can't tell me, Randolph, I honor you because I don't dishonor you. Right? Honor has got its own set of of expressions that, that must be focused on. How's this one? Acting from one motive externally, yet another secret motive, inspires your action, right? Inspires your action. Now, yeah, I referenced it last week, but I did it so rushed. I felt the Holy Ghost saying, no, go back here and teach your people. Acts 8 quickly, verse 18. I want to reference the example of Simon the sorcerer. Simon the sorcerer got saved under Philip the evangelist's ministry. Philip came to Samaria, not so. Remember the Bible took him without an Well, the Holy Ghost took him without an airplane. Just whisked the guy away. What they call it? it? Trans what? Translated. Translocation translated. Beam me up, Scotty. Oops. Right? He was busy, busy, busy. And whoop. I would love that. Think about the email. I'm thinking, Lord, we in a new covenant, better promises. This guy was X. We, We should be more, you know. Say to the Lord, I need to be at a conference in New York, Lord, in the next five minutes. Just let it happen. Shoop. Possible. <laughs> no more airplanes, no more customs, no more passport issues. Okay? Just make sure the Lord bring you back because you can't <laughs> go to customs. They'll say, where's your passport? say, <laughs> so, no, he beat me up. I so, say, well, let him take care of you. <laughs> That'll be a thing if we come back and there's no stamp on the passport. And the official says, well, you got here via translation. Holy Spirit, you claim. So go back by that way. It'll be a great testimony. He's in front of the man, you disappear. He'll become a believer tomorrow, right? <laughs> or unless he'll, he'll leave that, that, that space of his through fear. He's a ghost that's just visited this place. Check this guy out Simon saw. He's saved under Philip. Philip's gone to another place. The, the apostles. From Jerusalem come down to Samaria. What is Philip by ministry calling? An evangelist. The evangelist has left the city. Everyone say apostles. Apostles come in. Here's a lesson you must learn. Evangelists will bring you to Christ. But apostles form Christ in you. The evangelistic spirit will introduce you to Christ, bring you into the kingdom. What one sin, things apostolic are designed to mature you in the ways of God you will see this happen with this man so he's saved by all accounts the bible he believes in christ he saw that the spirit was bestowed through the laying of the apostles hands and he offered them money saying give this authority everyone say authority what was his heart after come on his heart was after authority to me as well so that everyone on whom i lay my hands might receive the the holy spirit verse 20 peter said to him may your silver perish with you because you thought that you could obtain the gift of god with with money you have no part or portion in this matter because what is not right with god what is he gave his heart to jesus come on talk to me gave his heart to jesus he saved Under Philip the evangelist. But under apostolic scrutiny. They check while he's saved. If he dies going to heaven. There are undoubted issues in his heart. That lack integrity. And they say to him. Your your heart is not. Right before. God. Verse 22. Therefore repent of this. Wickedness of yours. I pray. The Lord if possible the integrity intention of your heart. Everyone say the intention of your heart. What he's saying is your heart is not right because its intentions are not right. Your, the aim, the ambition, the things you yearn after in the heart make the heart not right. Everyone say wrong ambition. He's reaching after the wrong things that made the apostles conclude your heart is full of wickedness. The intention of your heart might be forgiven you. Okay? I see. Everyone say, I see. You know, apostolic, I see. Sometimes we evangelistic eyes can't. Everyone say, I see. Look at me, big eyes, right? (laughs) There's a sight that God has. Our lives are coming under His inspection. And I want to tell the congregation now. We all including Randolph, we all must live righteously before God. Because the sight of God is going to expose, and this is a warning to everybody that's under the sound of my voice. If you don't repent of that vice and deliberately turn from it, God will humiliate you. He will expose it. The humiliation is not to embarrass you. It's to save you. You either humble yourself, or you become humiliated by God. But the humiliation is not vindictive on God's part. Whatever God exposes, His intent is always to empower for you to overcome. The exposition of the Lord, the exposure of God on a matter, it's with the intent for God to empower the individual to overcome what has been exposed because what you conceal cannot be healed if you're hiding it cannot be rectified but what god reveals he heals but so long it's concealed it's gone it's not opt it's not out for god's healing of the thing so i always draw great encouragement whenever god exposes something of me because god knows sometimes listen carefully he will speak to you period after period, time after time, right? And sometimes He knows, Yo, my son, you really are stubborn, eh? Yo, how many times? God said, okay, crunch time now for you. Because I love you, I've now disciplined you, my son. Not with the intent of injuring you. For whomever I love, I, I chasten. And my my exposure and the direct fashion in which I deal with it is actually a reflection of see how much I love you. I love you so much, I actually exposed you. Because left to yourself, you are a hell bent on a path of destruction. Okay? So God is very faithful to reveal. I cast upon the entire congregation by my utterance, even now, an anointing for God to expose a grace for God to reveal not to marginalize you see God never ever exposes to marginalize someone away to the fringes of his work he does it in the hope that when it's exposed the person will comply and be repentful be so he can be restored back to the centrality of my will not the fringes but the centrality of my will for that person simon wanted to buy the gift of the holy ghost not just the gift he also wants to administrate he says i want to lay hands on people too you know why he was a sorcerer he was used of occultic dabbling he was used of life in the spirit the wrong spirit the domain of darkness god yanks him out of that whole domain now he sees, Hey, I don't just want to be an ordinary random believer. I'm used to these things. I see the apostles, when they lay hands, wow, give to the Holy Ghost. I want this. I want it with money. Peter sees. I can just see Peter. Peter says, bro, may your money perish with you. He says, I see something. I see. This is what Peter says. I see that you are in the poison of bitterness. Now watch, Peter's not addressing the issue, or is he addressing the issue? The issue externally was a man wants to buy Holy Ghost power with money. Peter says that's a smokescreen. Your real problem, Bruise, you are in the poison of bitterness, and there is a symptom of that problem. That is why, you know, we've been doing an extraordinarily, a huge amount of counseling recently and sometimes we listen and we say that's not the problem i'm not going to address the problem you raise what i see internally is a greater issue that's giving rise to this those are internal heart dispositions yeah you know what they say to him you're in the goal of bitterness do you know how serious bitterness is bitterness will mess up your priorities what was lot's problem bitter Lot means what? Covering or veiled. But the root meaning of Lot is myrrh. What is myrrh a symbol of? Bitterness. So bitterness blinds. His, his name means Lot, so he's covered. Abram is right there, but he cannot see what Abram represents. Bitterness blinds a person. And sometimes, listen carefully, if you don't deal with your bitterness. Resentment. You might say to me, Randolph, I got not an ounce of Bitterness. I'm saying you do. Listen to me. I'm saying you do, all of you. Including me. I'm saying there's a residue there that you must get rid of. Your disappointment, you had expectations not met. You were disappointed and unfortunately you've allowed disappointment to lead to bitterness. Simon did not know undealt with bitterness in the heart can cause me to embark upon external actions that violate serious principles in god like attempting to buy holy ghost power with money that's not the issue the root of it was an undealt bitterness and and do you know what they said repent of this malice of yours not so repent of this iniquity The word iniquity here is malice. This I'm referencing verse um, 22, verse 23. Look at verse 23. You are in the word gall here is poison. You are in the gall of bitterness and you are in the bonds of iniquity. The word in the Greek here is translated malice. Do you know what is malice? What is a definition of a malicious person or malice as a, as a concept? What is it? What's malice? Evil intent. That's it. Huh? So it's a desire to injure somebody else. If I say you're full of malice or you're malicious, it means your attitude and your behavior in reference, let's say, to Trevlin, this is almost malicious towards you. I'm saying the person, hey girl, has got an in for you. They want to see you not succeed they intended to injure you they're injurious toward you now how can you simon want the gift of administrating the baptism in the holy ghost to people when the intent of your heart towards everybody is injury the apostle saw something that escaped the view of most people what i'm saying is listen carefully you cannot want holy ghost power you cannot want holy ghost gifts and operate freely being used by god as an agent of god with deficient elements in your character the two don't go god knows i can't give this brew power he'll go around injuring everybody what was designed to bless now becomes a tool of injury he's full of malice tell someone get rid of your malice Please, I beg you, brethren, I speak this by the, by, by, the, in, by the instruction of the Holy Ghost. God said to me this week, the house is bitter. People are bitter. They don't say it to you. When you look at them, they're all supportive. They're there physically. They're towing the line. But in the heart, there's a bitterness there that is rooted in disappointment from previously held expectations. Those are not met, so now bitter. God is saying, you want integrity in the heart. Integrity in this house must begin with integrity of the heart. And let me just say this to you. Pastor Thomas said something years ago that really stuck with me. In fact, I made a poster on it. I'll find it. If you go on my Facebook profile, look under my photos, look under the albums. There's an album collection I got there called "Thomas Naidu Quotes. I put an uh, one of his quotes up there, and he said something to the effect like this: He said, "An ounce of bitterness will rob you of huge potential deposits of grace." Everyone say one ounce. I'm saying nigi nigi nigi, smally smally smally, not big. You can't say to me, Randolph, you calling me bitter? If that's your attitude, then you are bitter, right? <laughs> uh, you can't say to me. Let me just paraphrase. You can't say to me, Randolph, you're calling me bitter. No, I let me show you a bitter person. Check my other brood down the road. If you want a picture of bitterness, I'm saying leave that brother. He's not the focus of our conversation. You are. Yes. Huh? Tell you never get rid of your bitterness. Please, brethren, I speak to you as I speak to myself. I have told you how many times I will never harbor one dishonorable thought towards Pastor Thamo or any leader I hold in high esteem. Right? I will not. I have instructed my soul, you will not put your foot in that domain of dishonoring those that I have sent to you. Don't honor. You don't. don't dishonor your, your leaders. It's going to be critical. So Simon, the sorcerer, unfortunately, well, fortunately for him, he does repent. Because later on he says, you know, pray to the Lord that, The Lord will, the Lord will forgive me, and that things will proceed smoothly for me. I'm just paraphrasing. Okay? Let me close, because I want to close with something that I keep posting on the WhatsApp group and on Facebook this whole week. I want to talk about the privacy of your homes. There's a whole lot of things about the heart that I got, but I'll come back if the Lord permits later on. Psalm 26, Psalm 101, sorry. Verse 2. Psalm 101, verse 2. I will give heed to the blameless way. When will you come to me? I'll talk about this question next week. This time is running away. I'll focus on this last part, then I'll come and I'll unpack the first part next week. This, This part grabs me. I will walk in or within my house in the integrity of my heart how you walk in your house is determined how you walk in your heart God says here yeah, and I don't know why the Holy Ghost just said this to me that whatever persists in the homes of your people is the truest form of them the public domain your Facebook profile all the things we like to put is not the true you you know, Facebook is so deceptive. It can well up an image of you. I get shocked at some of my friends I meet in real life. Oh, this is you. Oh, Please meet you. did not even recognize you. From what? Honestly, I met someone at a conference last year somewhere. Hi, I'm someone to we Facebook. I'm telling mull my God, and they met. You. Oh, okay. And I'm thinking, but you are poles apart from what is represented, or even face, even. Your demeanor, even your, your profile, no resemblance. Photoshop and all, you know. <laughs> I'm thinking, how far? Even if as I thought I had discernment until that day. <laughs> wow, this is really fooling me, right? And um, so Facebook has become the new face of hypocrisy. Hypocrites on Facebook, left, right, and center. Fooling the world. And God puts the lenses on says but the internal state of the heart is not right with not right with god you must be very discerning on social media i use it as a platform for ministry and i always would say to the lord may i never post something on facebook that i don't live in reality may it never be said of me he did that but he lived another life okay it must be you must be you must guard these things But let me just read this to you. I sent this to you on the group. Everyone say, within my house. Note note the words here. Within my house. Then note the words, in my heart. How I behave in my home must be a direct outcome of whatever persists in my heart. The psalmist is very clear here. I have integrity in my heart. Therefore, it must manifest in the precincts, the private precincts of my home. The NLT version says, I will lead a life of integrity in my home. I want to read this, because if I start preaching, I may take long. Listen to me very carefully. If integrity is not in your heart, it cannot be in your home. Listen, within the privacy and the secrecy of your home, ensure that the strength, Of your heart of integrity is obviously exuded throughout the sanctity of your home. I love that word. Say sanctity. Sanctified means pure. Sancti, sanctity, sanctum. Pure environment. Say the sanctity of my home. I want to step into your homes. I want to see, smell cleanness. I'm not talking about natural. Yes, be clean naturally. But I'm talking about a clean spirit in the home no defilement I want, to, I want to sense god when i come there okay your home your home must be a venue that god files, god finds he himself is most at home i keeping your heart pure will result in a home that is pure how you walk in your heart is exactly how you will walk within your house how you walk or behave within the seclusion and the privacy of your house will reveal to you the true state of your heart. Who knows the heart of a man? That's what the Bible says. Not so. Who knows but God. But I'm saying you too can know. In Everyone say seclusion. Say privacy. Say secret place. No eyes on deck when you do the things that you do. I'm saying to you, that reveals to you the truest state of who you are everything else is a facade everything else is a parade you might as well stop and give serious at- attention to let me overcome those things Tried of playing the facade uh, the the uh, putting a picture before people to see yet in my heart right um you, you can say i've never been guilty of adultery but in your heart you harbor the thoughts you can't bring your fantasy into check your imagination. No, I'm saying the truest state is the, the heart of the man. Impeccable integrity within the heart will perfume your home with the fragrance of irrefutable integrity. Everyone say impeccable integrity. Say irrefutable integrity. You see, impeccable means flawless. Flawless. Irrefutable means cannot be challenged. Incontestable. Right? I'm saying impeccable integrity will lead in your heart, will lead to irrefutable integrity in your home. We we people come that you know this this is pure, this is this is this is this is God. And I wrote you listen carefully. In the seclusion of your home, maintain your sanctity so your home becomes a sanctum amidst an ever increasing wicked, carnal, and iniquitous world outside. You know, I don't think I can be shocked anymore by what evil exists in the world. I think I've been shocked enough. I don't think they can go more. I think it's reached like it's... I'm thinking, what, how lower are we to go before God brings judgment to the world? I think sin has reached. And I'm saying, don't be. see my encouragement to you in reference to integrity in the context of an ever-increasing wicked world outside. It's like waiting for no man. It's going to the nth level, the nth degree. And I'm saying in the light of that process, we strengthen our process in reference to integrity. And where does everything start? In the home. I pray the spotlight of God be on your home. Spotlight of God be on your phone. Spotlight of God be on your PC. Spotlight of God be on the ambitions in your heart. Spotlight of God be on the intentions of your heart. Simon's heart was wicked. because Peter said, the intentions, what you intend to do is not honorable before the Lord. Okay? Listen carefully. Within your home. You might be isolated and out of the purview of most people, but you are never isolated from the view of God. Okay? Never, ever isolated from the view of God. God sees where where no man can see. And I've got a bunch of scriptures here about that, which I won't go through because of of time. But let me just encourage you with one thought. In the next few weeks, maybe two or three weeks, I'm going to give you keys and, and uh, principles to overcome uh, sin. I'll give you how to do it. Everyone say, how to. Right? I've given you the broad motivation to, to hold on to it. You might, you might be saying, Randolph, I'm really trying. I'm finding it so hard. I'm really trying. I find myself tripping up all the time. I'm saying, be of good cheer. The Bible has got great clues, great keys. That you can employ to to overcome tell someone we are going to overcome yeah. hallelujah we are going to to overcome okay john 13 verse 2 says after sorry, supper being ended the devil put into the heart of judas put into the heart of judas everyone say put into the heart what I want to talk about here is you see, where did the idea come in Judas that, hey, I can betray this Jesus for 30 pieces of silver? Where did that thought come? Where? From who? Was it his originally? Where it came from? No, it came clear. The Bible says, who put the thought there? That tells me I am not responsible for all my thoughts. Some thoughts are satanically inserted. Right? I can choose at that point, at the insertion, to either reject it or to accommodate it. Unfortunately, here is where I'm getting it. Who kept the money bags? Who was the treasurer of the group? What was his problem? Greed. He did not see to a problem that Jesus would address throughout the Gospels. An undealt, yes, where I'm getting it. An undealt internal heart issue gave the enemy... A foothold, fertile ground, to insert a thought in the man that betray him for a lucrative sum of 30 pieces of, of silver. You see, Satan could not put that thought into the heart of someone that did not have a covetous issue. He had to insert it into someone that had a greed issue. That thought only works with greed. So the undoubted greed gave vent to a higher problem. And I'm saying to you, that's why I say, repent of your bitterness. Say this of the Holy Ghost. Repent of your. You know why? It's going to be ground for other thoughts, which if you were in a more sane position, you would have rejected. But because you are already compromised by your inability to deal with the first problem, now Satan compounds it with another one. Let me insert the thought. So I will overcome pornography, why? I know that if I give myself to pornography, you know what's gonna happen. That world becomes normal, becomes reflective. And guess what? Any thought of physical adultery or fornication, the enemy has already got a platform for other thoughts. I see to the one thing to avoid further damage. I'll talk more to this next week. I'll give you the scriptures that clearly indicate Undoubted carnality in one domain opens the door to a host of sins that the person, even in their righteous, right, sober mind, will never ever thought possible that they would be involved there. Some of you think, not me. Oh, the, these vices are, but not me. I'm saying, be careful. Watch yourself. If you don't deal with the initial things, I'm ta- God says, I'm, I'm asking you, you're going to be, it's like you get swallowed up. It pulls you into its grip. That's why God said to Cain, sin crouches at your door, waiting to master you. But you must master it. Tell them a master sin. You see, the thought entered his heart. Look at how this ends, verse 27. This is verse 2, right? They go to the Last Supper, Jesus breaks bread with them, right? And check in verse 27 of John 13. After the morsel, so he eats the, in fact, Jesus gave him the best part, by the way. The best part of the bread was given to Judas. And the Bible says, after the morsel, Satan did what? Satan entered him. Now, when Satan enters you, it's literally like takes over your actions. It's like no turning back now. You could have turned back in verse 2. It's now verse 27. Bro. There's no turning back now. Because, watch. You see, Satan only enters Judas when Judas entertained the thought. You cannot, if you entertain, everyone say entertain. If you entertain satanic thoughts, you allow Satan to enter himself. It's like one leads to the to the other right everyone say authority it's coming a new authority to the house i'll say this to you prophetic there's going to come a new authority to you what better place sherwin can you be in when you stand in your house and saying come and scrutinize everything my phone my laptop my mind intent i am pre vindicate me oh god david said according to my integrity what better place of power is that with for anybody with god and when you are in that way positioned, brethren, not because of you, because of the grace of God in you, they, you have nothing to fear because you have nothing to hide. But guess what you have positioned yourself for? You have positioned yourself now to exercise great authority in the Spirit. Right? Jesus said this, The prince of this world, the devil, has come, but he has nothing in me, you know what that means in the Greek? It means there's nothing in me that's like Him. He cannot find anything to me to which He's attracted. That's why I encouraged you yesterday in the WhatsApp group last night, concerning pornography. I hate it so much. I'll talk more. There's a whole section I got you about hating iniquity, and loving righteousness. You can never overcome that which you do not hate. If you love it, you can't overcome it. Learn to hate it. Bible says of Jesus, he hated lawlessness, but he loved righteousness. The thing you love, you will thrive in. I'm going to say it again. You cannot overcome that which you do not hate. And there's a door there. I'm saying if that is a burden to God, you can't derive entertainment value from it. If God disgusted by it, if God nauseated by it, you can't accommodate it in your world and say, it won't harm me. It's innocent. It's purely entertainment. Nonsense. What you entertain can allow the enemy to enter. Everyone say serious times. I'm serious. I want the house pure. Nobody should be on an illegal site in the spirit at any level. God is saying, The people are waning up, down, up, down. God is saying consistent integrity, consistent purity. Keep yourself pure. That is what Paul said to his son Timothy. 2 Timothy 4.22. He said, my son, keep yourself pure. Tell someone by grace. 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 I'm saying you can do it by? You can do it by grace. If you are sitting with a friend, I say all, all the young people, listen, you're sitting with a friend. You see something unsavory on TV coming. You tell your friends, you take a, make a bold stand for truth, make a bold stand for integrity. Memorize this. Say them, sorry, chaps, this is a burden to God. Right, big word. This is disgusting to God. Or use it easier, say, this is nauseating to God. When God sees this, he wants to vomit. This God doesn't approve of. So I can't be entertained by something that God dislikes. Because in doing that, I reveal. Let me just say, let me put it another way. What you watch reveals what's in your heart. Integrity starts in the heart. You know what Jesus said in John 13? A lovely verse. John 15. He said, Now are you clean through the words which i have spoken to you do you know what's happening in this session I, send, I say this by the holy ghost some of you that have got certain serious problems in reference to some of the things i've said i say to you without your knowing it simply by listening to me you have already been cleaned yes. he said to them i'll text it to you on the church whatsapp group it's an amazing verse of scripture he said now are you clean How? By the words which I have. Even some of you that have problems, do you not feel clean? I'm feeling like a cleansing this morning. He washes us with the washing of water by the the word. Tell someone you are clean. Come on, I, I believe it. Tell someone you are clean by what you heard. You are clean by what you've heard. You are cleansed. I say to you by the Spirit of the Lord, God looks at you as, "Got it, my son, you came here this morning. You've heard words that have cleansed you. I don't need to make an altar call and say, come up for prayer. I'm saying prophetically, you know what to do. You know what decisions to make in your heart. I say to you by the prophet of the Lord, now are you clean through the words which I have spoken to you. God's word is amazing. Lift up your hands. Let me just impart a blessing. I pray great grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and the seven spirits of the Lord be your portion. I pray that this grace will teach you to deny ungodliness. I pray that no one here will fall from their estate as Judas did. He fell from his apostleship. He fell from his portion. He fell from his allotment. Simon the sorcerer Potentially could have no place, no portion in the matter as by the words of Jesus. But he did repent. Father, today we repent. Forgive us. Help us to deal with the inclination, the proclivity, the leaning in the heart towards things that are displeasing to you. Clean us by the power of your spirit. We will walk within our houses in the integrity of our hearts, Father, to be pleasing to you. We love you. As we've sung this morning through worship, we really do love you. You prioritize your will and your purposes. I pray great grace and peace. Let the word wash and clean everybody now. Clean us, God. Cleanse us. I pray for all of us, even those of the house that are not here. Cleanse us. Cleanse us deep within. Let there be an internal washing that removes every residual expression of bitterness. Father, forgive us of our bitterness because it's clouded judgments. It's led to dishonorable behaviors. Help us to deal with greed and covetousness, ambition, because it will open satanic insertions of thoughts which we think unthinkable. But, Father, we want to be pure. Keep us. Guard our hearts. Your word even says to guard our hearts, for out of it are the issues of life. Help us to keep ourselves, God. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. Amen. I would say to you,